This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of The Joy Challenge. Discover the ancient secret to experiencing worry-defeating, circumstance-defying happiness. Written by pastor and best-selling author Randy Frazee and is available everywhere audiobooks are sold. Hi, I'm Carl Baders, and welcome to the Church Lobby, Conversations on Faith and Ministry. In this episode, I'll be interviewing myself. Yep, just me. By the time you hear this, uh, I will be on my first sabbatical of over 40 years in ministry. Famously, I took 40 days off about 15 years ago. I described that in the grasshopper myth, but that wasn't a uh, planned sabbatical. That was an unplanned collapse. This one is planned. This one is not about burnout. This one is to help avoid burnout and to make sure that I'm uh, doing what I recommend others do to get a break, to set some time aside, to slow down a little bit. Uh, We've had a very busy past couple of years, and we've got an extremely busy next couple of years coming up with some big events, including a book launch and an entire uh, new phase of this ministry that we have yet to let you know about, but we'll be letting you know about this fall in some really, really huge ways. So in order to prepare for that, in order to be able to navigate it properly and in a healthy way, and to be able to think clearly about the new directions the Lord is sending us in, we realized that we needed to take some time. So I'm going to be taking a 50-day sabbatical. I will be on that sabbatical by the time you hear this. So what I want to do in this podcast is I want to walk you through three important things. First of all, why I'm taking a sabbatical. Secondly, what that sabbatical will look like including how we plan to unplug, what purposeful plans we have to get the most out of it so that it actually is a time of refreshing and not just a time of sitting around and doing nothing, although that sounds kind of cool as well. But no, I won't be doing nothing. It'll be getting some good, refreshing things done to help recover our spirits, our souls, our bodies, and our minds. And thirdly, from that, we're hopefully uh, going to have a better plan for you if you ever want to take a sabbatical for your own self. So we're going to talk about how to plan a sabbatical by showing you how we plan to plan ours. And at the end of it all, I'm going to come back and I'm going to do another solo podcast about how it went, what I learned, some things that maybe I'm going to say in this episode that I'll learn were not quite that way and they're better and give you some follow-up to that and uh, some of the lessons learned out of sabbatical. Now, while I'm gone, we will have regular podcasts coming out that I've already pre-recorded. We'll still have weekly articles coming out on the website. You will still get the newsletter every Friday as usual, because with all of the technical aspects that we are able to avail ourselves of now, we can actually schedule all of that to come out at various times while I'm just relaxing somewhere or spending time with family or just doing the things that help me disconnect and unplug and renew my spirit, my heart, my soul, and my body. So you will still get regular content. We're creating all of that in advance. So you won't miss anything while we're enjoying our downtime. So let's take a look at these three things. First of all, why am I doing this? Why am I taking a sabbatical? Well, here's an interesting aspect about the technical things that we have today. I remember in the early 1980s, very, very early in the computer generation. And Shelly and I happened to have met in Silicon Valley right at the beginning of the tech boom when IBM was still the big game in town. 
when Apple was coming along, but before you know Steve Jobs' departure and it looked like Apple might not made it and its resurgence. So way back at the beginning when people were looking at it going, what is this thing called a computer and why would I ever need to use one? Back in that era. And I remember the first time somebody sat me down as an adult and showed me how to turn a computer on and what the language of the computer was and how things were going to go. And one of the things he told me that amazed me at the time that we're so used to now, we don't pay attention to was this. And he said, you want to turn it off every night before you leave, which of course we would do anyway, and then turn it on the next morning. And he says, if you ever have a problem during the day that you can't figure it out, just turn it off and then turn it back on again. And I said, how can turning something off or turning it back on again help? He said, well, the way computer programmers have designed computers is every time they turn themselves on, they run through an entire self-diagnosis. They figure out what's wrong with themselves and they fix themselves. And I went, you got to be kidding. That's the most genius thing I ever heard. Now, we are so used to that now. If you're younger than me and you can't remember when you learned a computer because you've always used one, the idea of turning it off and turning it back on again is just automatic. But think about it. Something with a computer chip is the only thing that works that way. A fan, a toaster, if it's not a smart fan or a smart toaster, <laughs> right? If it goes wrong, you don't just unplug it and plug it back in again. It doesn't fix itself. And before computers came along, nothing did that except, of course, us, okay? Where did they get the idea that unplugging a thing for a while and then plugging it back in again will help it to fix itself? Some tells me they got it out of the order of creation. God set this idea of periods of rest to help us recuperate, the daily rest of going to sleep at night. Why do we spend one third of our lives unconscious? <laughs> because that unplugging helps to make the two thirds of our lives that are conscious better. We're unplugging. Why do we take vacations to unplug for a while? Why am I going on sabbatical? Because our friends who are nine to five workers, they go to work, they do their work, they work hard, they deserve the pay they get. But for most of them, not all of them, there are different jobs out there that don't do this, but for a vast majority of them, when they leave work, they've left work. They're done. They look forward to the weekend where they can you know, go camping with the family or do whatever, or for the evening when they can hang out with friends or just chill and watch TV, right? Once they leave work, they have left work not pastors. We are on 24-7. Even when we unplug you know, for the family in the evening or we take occasional weekends away or an occasional you know, vacation, even on vacation, you know it. You, you don't stop being the pastor when you're on vacation. It's always in our heads. It's always in the back of our minds. So when you are always on for literally years or even decades at a time, the regular vacation isn't enough to completely unplug us from that and to get the recovery that we need. And uh, like I said, I, I, you know, 15 years ago, I took an unintentional sabbatical by flaming out and I've never done this. And I've realized this is not healthy for me to continue to go this way, especially at my age and with the amount of work that the Lord has for us to do over the next decade or so, we're going to do this unplugging time. So Shelly and I are taking our time away. Why? Because just like your computer, if you unplug it, it fixes itself. We're going to unplug and the Lord is going to help us to stay strong, to recover what energy we've lost, to be better prepared for the road ahead. We've got to recognize in ministry that resting is not a weakness. When I was raised, there were a lot of people around me, not my, not my parents, but a lot of people around me who kind of had this attitude of, well, I'll retire when I'm dead. Well, then you'll be retiring a little bit earlier because you're going to die quicker if you keep working that hard, right? 
Satan never takes a day off. Well, you're following the wrong person's example, <laughs> right? Jesus took days off. Jesus, Jesus at times frustrated his disciples because they had work to do. And where did he go? He's off praying again. What's going on? And then when he came back, he was unhurried. He was unrushed. Resting is not a weakness. Resting is not a bug. It's a feature, as our computer friends like to say. Right? A lot of what we have in the world is the result of the fall. You have to weed your garden because of the fall. You don't have to sleep as a result of sin. You have to sleep because God built that into his original design. We know that because on the seventh day, God rested. God wasn't tired. God doesn't get tired. Why did he rest as an example to us? So while weeds in the garden are the result of sin, pain in childbirth is a result of sin. You needing to get a good night's sleep, get a vacation, and get a sabbatical is not a result of sin. Rest is built into the order of creation. And when we acknowledge that order of creation, we will be healthier and stronger. God rested and he commanded us to follow his example. Or as the writer Anne Lamott said, almost everything work, will work again if you unplug it for a few minutes, including you. Okay. So I'm not unplugging because Anne Lamott said so. I'm unplugging because Jesus did, God the Father did, and he recommends that we do it as well. So that's why we're doing it. Secondly, I want to take a little bit of time to walk you through an amazing little segment of the Bible that I discovered a while ago that shows the importance of taking a break and planning time away from ministry. It's not a sabbatical in the Bible that, we, that we're going to look at right now, but the principles of sabbatical apply here. I'm working on this segment for a full-length talk that I'll use next year as we do some uh, serious ministry all around the country, particularly as we talk about recovery for pastors who are really tired right now. So you'll get more of this later, but this is just the seeds of this talk that will eventually turn into something larger. It comes from Paul's third missionary journey in Acts chapter 20. So let me read the passage, and then I'm going to walk you through this little thing that I noticed before that I think is really helpful for pastors to use as an example. Acts verse 20, beginning with verse 15, says this, the next day we, and by we, this is what we call the we passages, right, in Acts. This means Luke was along for the ride at this point, so he saw it, he witnessed this personally, right? The next day we set sail from there and arrived off Chios. The day after that, we crossed over to Samos, and on the following day arrived at Miletus, now, that's one of those verses you just skip by and go, okay, fine, travel log, uh, who cares? We do care, and here's why. Verse 16, Paul had decided to sail past Ephesus to avoid spending time in the province of Asia, for he was in a hurry to reach Jerusalem, if possible, by the day of Pentecost. From Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church. Now, I read this passage through a few years ago in my regular Bible reading, and this verse 16 caught my attention. Paul had decided to sail past Ephesus to avoid spending time in the province of Asia. And I paused there because at the time I was reading this for my regular daily devotionals, I was also doing a series on the book of Ephesus. So I had Ephesus in my head, and I had been learning or relearning and teaching and reteaching the importance of Ephesus in the life and ministry of the Apostle Paul. Ephesus looms large in the life of the Apostle Paul. He planted the church there. He then went back and spent over two years there using it as a ministry hub. His closest friends were there. Ephesus was the closest thing Paul had to home outside of his place of birth. Okay, Ephesus was really his home base. And yet it says 
in this travelogue, he intentionally sailed past Ephesus and went to this tiny little town called Miletus. And Miletus is about 20 miles from Ephesus. On the coast, Ephesus and Miletus are both on the coast, but he purposely went past the major port of Ephesus and went to this tiny little port of Miletus instead. Why? The scripture says he decided to sail past Ephesus. Now, why would he do this? Well, the scripture gives us two reasons. Verse 16 says, first of all, he did it to avoid spending time in the province of Asia. This is where he had headquartered for two years. The province of Asia was where he had planted multiple churches and he had all kinds of friends. This is a place he would want to go back to. This is where his friends were, which was exactly the problem. Time management mattered to the Apostle Paul, and we see it here. He had a place that he needed to get to by a certain time, and he knew that if he had spent time in Ephesus, he could not have just dropped in for the evening and left the next day, or even for two days or three days. It would have taken him weeks, because everybody would have wanted to see Paul come back home again. And then people from Galatia and Cappadocia and all the other towns all around there, where he had planted churches during his time in Ephesus, they'd all want to come. And he would have lost all that time, wonderful time, valuable time, helpful time with people he loved, but he had a higher agenda right now. He had to get to Jerusalem before the day of Pentecost. Now, the reason was, some of it was technical, it was you know good sailing time, but it was also because on board that ship was hundreds of pounds of valuables, gold, silver, precious stones. Why did he have all that treasure? Because he was looting people? No, because one of the great untold stories of the New Testament is the collection for God's people in Jerusalem. Everywhere he went, and we see this in multiple letters, everywhere he went, he collected money, which at that time would not have been in in bits and bytes on your phone or even in paper dollars. It would have been in physical, you know, gold and silver and precious stones. He collected it to bring home to Jerusalem because the people in Jerusalem were suffering and the other Christians around the world were giving to them. And the sooner he got there, the sooner they were relieved by receiving these treasures so that they could pay their bills, so that they could eat, so that the church could move forward. So he had a very urgent reason to be there to bring this. Plus, that way it wouldn't get lost in a shipwreck. The sooner you get it there, the sooner it's secured. He was on a strict time schedule. He had an important job to accomplish. And other also important things, but secondarily important things, had to go to the side. So what was wrong with Ephesus for Paul? Nothing was wrong with Ephesus for Paul. It was a great place, but it wasn't the right place for Paul to be at this time. It would have cost him more spiritual energy, more time than he had available because he had a higher priority at that time. It might have fulfilled his ego to go to, go to Ephesus. All the greeting, oh, Paul's here, the Paul's here, but it would not have helped him. And now a short break to talk about something else. If you like the content you're hearing, here are two things you can do for us. First, forward this podcast to a friend. Second, consider becoming a financial supporter through Patreon, Venmo, or PayPal. Just go to carlvaders.com support. For as little as $3 a month, you can help us put these resources into the hands of the ministries that need them the most. Our support link is in the show notes. God is a genius storyteller, and the evidence of this is threaded throughout Scripture. 
in Christianity Today's new show, Holy Curiosity, with me, Kat Armstrong, we explore storied connections threaded throughout Scripture from the Old Testament to the New. Our first miniseries, Connecting Dinah and the Woman at the Well, welcomes experts like Drs. Tim Mackey and Diane Landberg to give us insight and context into the physical location and meaning of these two stories. These stories will spark holy curiosity in your own faith, because once you see these connections, you can't unsee them. God wastes no person, place, or thing. Listen and subscribe to Holy Curiosity with Kat Armstrong on your favorite podcast platform. So, Ephesus was filled with people he loved. He had to skip over the people he loved because he had a higher calling at that moment than Ephesus. So that was the one reason. The second reason, as we've already seen, is he's, as he says in, in verse 16, that he had to head to Jerusalem, if possible, by the day of Pentecost. Because he had this higher calling on him right now, that he had a higher priority, he put other priorities aside. Now, what's also fascinating here is the last time he left Ephesus, he had promised he would return sort of. Okay, here's the actual passage. Acts 18, 20 and 21 was the time he had left Ephesus before this, and he said this to them. When they asked him to spend more time with him, he declined. But as he left, he promised, I will come back if it is God's will. Then he set sail for Ephesus. So he promised he would come back, but with that caveat of if it's God's will. Now, for most of us, I think, certainly for me, if some if people had wanted me to stick around that much and say, oh, please stay, please stay, we want you to stay, I would probably have done one of two things. I'd have either stayed or I'd have promised to come back. I'll definitely be back. Instead, Paul had referred to God's will. So there was no promise. So there could be no lie. So there was no guilt. God's will right now, a higher will in Paul's life right now than going to Ephesus was sailing past it to go to a place where nobody knew him so he could spend a short time there so he could get to Jerusalem in time, prioritizing his time management. So what did he do instead? This is really interesting because at times as pastors, when we ignore the needs right in front of our face, let's say our congregation members, like I'm going to be gone for five, for, for seven weeks, and there are a whole bunch of demands on my time. People who are calling, can you get this to me? Can you have this to me? Can you come by here? And for 50 days, I'm going to tell everybody no. And I'm expecting that a couple of times I'm going to feel kind of bad and frustrated by that. But the priority of getting rest is higher. Now, here's the deal. We can sail past Ephesus without ignoring Ephesus. And here's how Paul did it. It's amazing. Instead of going to Ephesus, he went to Miletus, which is a town just 20 miles away on the coast. And then it says in verse 17, he sent people to call upon the elders from Ephesus. They went over to Ephesus. They brought the elders back and he met with the Ephesian elders. He told them what was up and he gave them assignments and sent them back. So he didn't go to Ephesus where he would have been overwhelmed with the crowds, but he didn't ignore Ephesus. He set things up with the leaders to say, you do this. This is exactly what I just told you I'm going to be doing on sabbatical. I'll be on sabbatical for 50 days. I will not write an article during that 50 days. I will not record a new podcast in those 50 days, but articles will go out and podcasts will go out. Why? Because while I'm sailing past Ephesus, I'm not ignoring Ephesus. 
Okay. I'm setting up in my planning schedule and I'm relying on others. And I'm relying quite frankly on the technical stuff that Paul didn't have to get the job done anyway. So the job is not being ignored, but I have a higher priority in recovery right now. And the apostle Paul is a great example for us in this out of that passage of sailing past Ephesus. Okay. So that's kind of the first part, why I'm doing it and how I'm doing it. But what will our sabbatical actually like physically look like? What are we going to do? How are we going to unplug and so on. Well, we're going to be gone, as I said, for 50 days. That's seven weeks plus a day. And from what I understand, that's barely counts as a sabbatical. Most sabbaticals should be about double that time, but I just am unable to carve that much out. So I'm going to carve out as much as I can. Uh, what I'm going to be doing is I'm going to be using an outline from Sean Nemechek, who uh, we interviewed on this podcast a few episodes ago about uh, overcoming burnout. And he has an acronym that he uses, and he has some great ideas to use to get the most out of your sabbatical. I'll put the link to that in the show notes. And in the bonus content, uh, which we'll put on YouTube for subscribers, I'm going to give you the week-by-week details of it. So if you're not a subscriber yet, you can subscribe for free to the newsletter, carlvaders.com slash subscribe. And then you can get all of those details from Sean's outline of how we are going to physically do the day-by-day, actually week-by-week or so of the sabbatical so that what, what he does is he walks through how to ease into the sabbatical slowly, how to make sure that you're doing things that are going to be of value rather than just frittering your time away, then how to phase out of the sabbatical to come back in a way that you're ready to hit the ground running and you've got new priorities and you've gotten your best out of it. So I'll be going over those very specific details with you in the bonus content. Again, if you want to get that, it's all free. Go to carlvaders.com slash subscribe, and then you'll get the weekly newsletter on Friday. And every Friday, there will be a link to not just that week's individual podcast, but to a playlist that we're just now putting together of previous bonus contents from previous podcasts as well. So you'll always be able to go there and pick it up whenever you want to. So to conclude this particular audio portion of this podcast, as I mentioned, while we're gone, you you won't miss me because you'll still be getting regular content from me. If you do want to reach out to me anytime from mid-June to mid-August of 2023, when we'll be on this sabbatical, the easiest thing to do that is go to carlvaders.com, click the contact me button there. That will be monitored by my daughter, who's going to pass that along only if it's an extreme emergency. Otherwise, she'll be sorting it all out and present it to me when we get back and we'll eventually answer it. My guess is we'll have a big pile of them when we get back. So unless it's an emergency, please don't pile that up. But if you really do need to reach me, that'll be the easiest way. But it's only going to get through if it's an extreme emergency. I will be journaling daily while I'm on this sabbatical, uh, just for me as part of the process of doing the sabbatical. It's an important thing to do during a sabbatical. So that will also serve to give me information for the next podcast that I will do after the sabbatical, telling you how it went. Here's what I went through. Here are the lessons that I learned and advice for a sabbatical if you ever want to take from. So if anything else comes up during that, again, I told you how to get a hold of me if you want to. In the meantime, uh, have a great summer. If you are listening to this, you know, shortly after this comes out, if it's weeks or months later, have a great whatever time you happen to be listening to this. And always at all times, make sure that you get the rest and recovery that you need. If you can't get a sabbatical, get whatever breaks you can. It is built into the way God created us. We are not meant to go at 100 miles an hour for days, weeks, months, and years at a time. 
You need the break so that you can do even better ministry. You will be refreshed. You will be renewed. You can get reacquainted with your family and in your relationship with the Lord. And you will be better able to serve the people God has called you to serve because you're taking care of yourself as God intended you to take care of yourself. Do that. Take that rest. And I'll see you after this rest. Thanks. This episode was produced by Veronica Beaver. It was edited by Phil Vaders. Original theme music was written and performed by Jack Wilkins of jackwilkinsmusic.com. The graphic design is by Solomon Joy. And me, I'm Carl Vaders, and I hope to talk with you again in the church lobby. This episode was brought to you in part by The Table Podcast at Dallas Theological Seminary. Listen to rotating hosts discuss issues of God and culture to demonstrate theology's relevance in everyday life. Find it on your podcast app. For videos and more, visit dts.edu podcast.